Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. Hey everyone, welcome back. Another Trident Wargaming podcast episode. That's right, we're doing bolt action again. And today with me, coming back from the depths of some deep, dark dungeon or feral jungle pit is Bill here with us. He's finally Come coming on, back. Finally coming back for a bolt action episode. Um, you know, bringing back those oh, Bonkos bastards, his U.S. Army. Uh, also today, uh, the uh, person who, one of the persons that got me into bolt action, uh, Mr. Tony. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm pretty excited to be here. <laughs> no problem. So, so yeah, like I said, Tony uh, was one of the gents that introduced me into bolt action. Um, and then it kind of semi took over part of my life. So, uh, thanks Tony. And, You're uh, welcome, buddy. <laughs> we've had a, a lot of good laughs and whatnot and a lot of good games over the years and experiences. So it's uh, it's really good to have them on, on the show today. So, uh, as you can already tell, um, we're going to be talking about the U S army, uh, we're definitely going to be going through this book a bit. Both Bill and Tony play uh, the United States for bolt action. Um, and they both play different kind of armies and different experiences as well. So uh, with that, uh, essentially we'll be going through the book, uh, just the generic army book, going through some of the specialized units, specialized rules, all that kind of stuff. Um, probably going to be a two-parter. Uh, for this, because there's a lot of um, choices in this book. I think this is probably one of the better books out there for armies. Um, so I'm probably pretty confident you guys are probably going to agree with that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a good book. I've even looked into it, thinking of starting some kind of force with it. Uh, just especially with like local events and whatnot happening, right? We have uh, a big D-Day battle that's going to be coming up in October. Um, so it'll be super fun checking out the different units and, and playing the game with this army. So, uh, but first off, I'm going to uh, throw it out to the guys here. What made you look at the U.S. Army to play uh, as an army in bolt action? Billy, well, for, Tony, you want to start? For, yeah, I'll, I'll start. Uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, coming from a military background. Uh, my my father was an airborne uh, with the Canadian Airborne Regiment. So uh, my, my, my big draw was always the guys jumping out of airplanes and um, easy, uh, easy company with a band of brothers. And right. I just uh, gravitated right to the uh, the hundred and first. So that was my uh, my first jump into uh, to bolt action in the first army I picked. Nice, nice, literally Very nice. Pretty good jump. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I really went down the rabbit hole. I think I've got about uh, three thousand points of hundred and first airborne. So. Very oh, nice. awesome. Yeah, all done up and everything. Yeah, all yep. done up, uh, all metal as well before they uh, discontinued some of that. Ooh. Do you hear that, Bill? So, 
the, so the here. so Bill and, and Tony are, are both opposites on the model front for this <laughs> hobby. <laughs> well, no, I've actually uh, gone back to the plastics. Oh, so, have you? Okay. Yeah, my uh, I'm doing a German army right now. Uh, my all my uh, commandos are plastic, and my Canadians I have uh, starting to retire the metals and building the plastics. So. Very nice. Very nice. Plastics are a bit just so good yeah i've said it before and actually even said it today in another conversation um if my french army was to come out in plastics i'd probably liquidate all my pewter so you know it's coming but yeah it's great i've been working with my boys uh they're both building armies in the slow grow so you know we uh we're taking our time and building the different pieces and helping them, you know, not just building the vanilla guys, but adding some, uh, personality, which you, you don't get in the, uh, the pewter. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, Bill yourself, what, what got you into the Americans besides me pushing you towards that? Well, um, <laughs> there, there, there was some pot prodding for sure, but honestly, I really wanted to, um, Jump to the Americans, just one of my favorite armies. I know when I first started getting interested in bolt action, I asked straight up, I was like, So are Germans popular? It's like, Yeah, they're popular. And after looking, I'm like, Okay, so Germans are pretty much the equivalent of Space Marines in 40K. A lot of people play them. And I'm like, All right, fuck that. I want to do something else. Yeah. Um, obviously, my next favorite is Americans, uh, just because I, I do like the World War II era. I like Vietnam era. I'm, you know, all into that. Uh, I actually watched a couple of uh, black and white hist- uh, history channel style shows, Battle of the Barge, uh, Baston, a bunch of like, you know, just to kind of get into the era. And then I ended up finding a DVD of um, the Devil's Brigade. So I was okay. like, okay, I watched it. It was it was awesome. I've never seen it before. So it was pretty, pretty fucking legit. Uh, plus, you know. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, all the World War II movies that you can yeah. watch out there. Yeah, they're very, uh, you know, uh, Hollywooded up, but lots of fun. So I decided, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go jump in. I'll go with my Americans as my pick. Um, found out, hey, there's you know, there's some pewter models. There's some resin hybrid models. I was like, holy fuck! I'm back in the '90s with GW. Like, what happened here? <laughs> so uh, they do have, you know, some nice plastic kits. And uh, I really like the 148 skill tank, so I decided to start snooping around online. Found a couple uh, Tamiya kits where I was able to get, you know, the Sherman, uh, the M10, and then pick up the 76 mil Sherman, just a later version. And bought those, started converting a bunch of squads, and just, yeah, really jumped in all the way. Uh, pretty much looked online, did some research of how I wanted to run my army. Just trying to stay like true to an era, which is pretty much mid. Right. Um, yeah. Nineteen forty three is basically what I'm focusing my force on. But that was kind of the inspiration. It kind of kicked off, and I really just wanted to kind of uh, just roll with that particular force. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and you guys have uh, you guys had some pretty good fights and uh, success with the army uh, in general. Like I've. I know seen Bill play his, his army a few times and even in some of the events that we've done throughout, you know, 
in the store, out of store, through Trident, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, throwing a twist into a lot of the the players <laughs> with your with your force and how your, your play style is. You know, yeah. with the Americans, right? And uh, Tony as well. You know, pretty successful missions with with his armies that he's played, and uh, either airborne or his regular force, or whatever he brings down. Right? It's always uh, it's always a good a good battle like anytime we've played it's always been a really good fight and uh it's it's very much the mission is like the key thing that we play for and uh we've had some good battles in the past so and it's been it's actually been a long time since me and tony have played as well and uh yeah we're gonna have to get something on the books here yeah uh i actually just uh brought out my 101st airborne this weekend against uh my son's waffen ss so we're in the middle of a heated battle here nice uh so i'm hoping that uh uh that'll conclude next weekend when he's back here very nice and uh, we're we're uh we're, we're going at each other we're we're not using a scenario he, he likes going all out until there's nobody standing. So uh, it's, uh, I figured that it's a good way to teach the young fella. So the meat grinder. Yeah. 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 So uh, I know he doesn't like the, uh, the howitzers and stuff. So I'm going to make sure uh, he gets a full taste of that. <laughs> teach him the way. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I know uh, later this year, there's definitely going to be a scenario day. Uh, specifically with some American Airborne. There's a couple of uh, artillery guns that need to get knocked out before the invasion happens. So, Raycourt uh, Manor? You betcha. So uh, prepare for that. I'm, I'm sure you'll be up and ready to do that. That'll be fun. And then, of course, uh, yeah, the D-Day battle. We'll have uh, plenty of allies and Axis powers on the board. Uh, to have some good battles with that. So uh, I can't wait. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So going forward, uh, we usually talk about the hobby front in our episodes. Um, I think we are going to just slightly touch on that. Um, if you guys have any projects on the go or anything you'd like to mention, what are you working on? You know, um, myself, I'm all over the place. I'm actually working on a D-Day board. Um, so that's kind of an ongoing project, a little slow at the moment, but, um, a lot of cutting of styrofoam. So there's that. And then of course, uh, a couple other different miniatures I'm working on for different gaming systems and then finishing off my, uh, Africa core army. So that's kind of where I'm at. How about yourself, Bill? Well, I've been a busy little hobby bee. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cross pollinating all systems everywhere. I've been working on, I've been working on heresy. I've been working on 40k. I'm still chipping away at my uh, spring um, German Waffen SS style army as well, mm-hmm. uh, which has been a lot of fun. Like painting them, I think will be a, a lot of a lot of fun uh, to get the army and all the camo. It's like P dot camo. And stuff all done up, um, but yeah, it's just it's been all over the place. Just today, rattle canning like crazy. I had thirteen or fourteen big ass ruins I was doing, and then I'm meeting up tomorrow and picking up another twelve. 
just hoarding, just train models, tons of different shits. That's right. Getting some event prep happening. Oh right? yeah, we got a, a a pretty busy schedule for events this year, so which is good. Perfect. And yourself, Tony? Well, I uh, similar to you, I'm working on uh, my first table. Nice. So it's going to be uh, uh, urban centric. So I'm working on uh, a big, uh, big church. Uh, just got to finish up the uh, stained glass windows. And then, uh, yeah, I got a lot of Sarasa precision models uh, built. So now just doing the textures and uh, working on my Waffen SS. Uh, I got. Uh, we're doing late war, so I've got uh, a lot of P dot and uh, oak leaf as well. So we've got nice. that going. Uh, working on the the 13th SS, so I've got the uh, the fezes, uh, just because I figured uh, nobody else has them in the area, so I figured I'd give it a try. And uh, yeah, just uh, finished up the thousand point commando list, so that's all done for the slow grow. Very nice and. Yeah, just building uh, building tanks and painting with the boys. So that's awesome. No shortage over here. Looks like a little mini uh, mini factory of uh, uh, Santa Claus's workshop there. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's, we... Sorry to no, it's you know, like... it's it's kind of fucking wholesome to hear you getting in the hobby time with your boys. I know I got three young kids, uh, three, four, and now seven and they're enamored with the hobby they want to jump in and start doing all the shit but they're just not quite old enough yet um but they're very interested so i i look forward to the day where i can kind of emulate what you got going on right now and battling and rolling dice with your kids in the basement because to me that sounds like a lot of fun so yeah it, it's been awesome uh my my youngest just turned 14 and uh, my oldest is turning 16 so um they're they're at the point now that uh, they they scurry off with their new purchases and start building and we uh we've got some little tables that we put in the living room so that we're uh, still with the wife yeah, while yeah. she's uh yeah. she's watching tv and the three of us are uh trying not to go glue fingers together you but, guys do you notice are you guys having any um like cold war kind of feelings going on like everyone's trying to amass this different force different counterings everyone's kind of building up their own shit like hey you got a lot of infantry i'm going to take some mortars anti-infantry stuff or hey you know you start to bring out tanks i'm going to take anti-tank weapons you find any of that happening well for the for the two boys i do uh one's doing canadians so he's got some canadian airborne and some canadian infantry the other one is hardcore uh waffen ss to the core so uh we just picked up a King Tiger and a Jag Tiger, and I think we've got uh, three uh, three Tigers, three Stugs. So my my other fella, he's like, oh, I have nothing armor. So we uh, we just went and got him a couple of Churchills, and so the arms race is alive and well over here. Awesome, <laughs> that's and, killer. And I'm, and I'm just sitting back. I'm like, boys, relax. It'll come. Dad's wallet is getting empty too quick. Getting thin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you the get thin th green line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Line. You uh, you get those boys paint, and they have a chance to win some gift cards. So, uh... 
I know my youngest is going to town. Uh, my oldest, he's uh, he's struggling a little bit. He's been busy with school, but he's uh, going to be bearing down pretty hard. He's uh, he's roughing right now, so he uh, ah, okay. he doesn't have much time. But uh, the good news is he should have about six hundred bucks in his bank. So uh, his three uh, thin green line is ready to go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's good to hear. I might have to dig dig into his war chest here to to repay a little bit. <laughs> Daddy needs some new toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. So with this uh, this army, the U.S. Army here, their army special rules is what we're going to start off with, of course. Um, I don't know, man. I think they probably have some of the best army rules, right? Like I don't know about you guys, but that's that's my opinion. Like I've I've got all the books. So, I mean, I've I've looked at a lot of the army rules and they got some pretty good ones. All I gotta say is fire and maneuver. Yeah. Is yeah. Gold. Yeah. No, it's fire maneuver. I mean, with your bars and your, you know, your rifles, your M1 grands and whatnot, being able to do that advance and not get that penalty. That's huge. Right. Yeah. You get to bring your, your weapons to bear quicker, uh, and, and actually deal out the damage where, you know, some of those guys, when they start moving, especially regular inexperienced guys, they're, they're not really doing much, sometimes not even putting pins on. Yeah, that's right. Well, that that whole rule changed the way I played my infantry. Uh, I was I dropped all my SMGs. I was taking SMGs on my uh, NCOs, and I was like, fuck it. I'm going all rifles and a bar so I can move and fire the whole time and be really aggressive with my infantry and take that half the midpoint, the no man's land during in the board game. If you control the center, man, you're you're gonna be able to dictate what happens in that in that game. I'm a firm believer of that. So I just love capitalizing on that as a rule. Yeah. Yeah, and and like you said, Bill, um with with that fire and maneuver with the rifles, uh I I do similar. I I barely take any of the SMGs. Uh, getting getting that uh, firepower right to the front uh, that that that's huge, um, and you control that center half and and you can dig in pretty quick and not have to worry and you can counter counter move uh, uh, to your flanks pretty quick without that uh, minus one. So it's a, yep. it's a great great game changer. Yeah, I've seen it. I even seen it uh, actually today, the day of the recording of this episode. Um, played against two players who are who are using American forces, and uh, uh, let me tell you, it's kind of scary when you got all those guns bearing on you, and they're just hitting you better, you know, than your yeah. your dishing shots out, kind of thing, right? And it's just like, oof, they're moving, they're shooting, they're moving, they're shooting. There's very mobile infantry force, which is pretty good, and and is very, um accurate i guess to to the army right so um it has a good feel to it so definitely if you're you're liking an army that can move and fire all the time like that's this is the army right so and then on top of that like i don't know how often this comes about but the the gyros stabilizers you know um and again uh, a weapon that has the the stable the gyro stabilizers same kind of thing. They don't get the minus one, right? 
to hit for when they move and, and whatnot. Um, and I think it's their main main gun usually, but main gun, yeah, yeah. But you have to be a veteran. That's the limitation. Is you must be a vet. Yeah. Um, which I I know there's been some debate if it's worth doing that. I know Chris and I have talked about you know it's not worth making your tanks vet for that. At the same time, I think you know what it's it's majority of the time I'm using my tanks as an MG MMG boat, yeah, but yeah. when I want to use that turret mounted medium anti tank gun, it's nice not having that minus one. Especially yeah, especially in, especially in a tank wars, right? Absolutely. Um, if, if it's tank wars, I would definitely uh, take that all day long. But with one tank, sometimes that's that's tough, depending what you're going up against. If you're, uh, you know, Panzer fours or the the Tiger Fair guys, I, I would take the the veteran all day long. But uh, for the most part, I, I don't take it in regular games. Just that that extra points you can add uh, add to some other other stuff, you know, Rangers or, um, you know, more, more, more infantry with more guns. Right. So, yeah, well, but it is a great rule. Oh, it, it definitely is. Uh, mind you, like again, point cost, like you guys have mentioned, point cost is, is a big thing. Usually it's a pretty big point difference for veterans and it's really a majority of the time. It's only going to be on one unit, right? Like you're only having one tank essentially, unless you're playing a different theater selector or whatever maybe. And, um, I, you know, I'm not even sure how many tanks actually have this equipped on them. So, um, we'll have to take a look at that later, later on, maybe not in this episode, but, um, cool rule. It's there, you know, if you feel like it, Hey, you could take advantage of it, but is it worth the points? Meh, I don't think so. Not myself, at least. So, um, yeah, and I think that's only mostly on the uh, the Shermans, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, makes sense. There's so many of them. So, <laughs> uh, their air superiority is. I like this one. Just being able to uh, call in two airstrikes. Um, lately I've been using air strikes just with my Germans and sometimes it backfires on you, but I kind of like this with, uh, more of a, a thematic theme to the army. Um, if I'm using the, uh, you know, United States Marine Corps kind of army, I think it really fits for them. So, um, it's cool. It's, it's a little freebie that they get. Some people might be like, it's too overpowered. I don't know about that. I mean, there's a lot of times where it does backfire you. Like I played, uh, I played Brandon and he had used it and both of them had backfired and like literally pinned out his army hardcore. Right. So it's, it's. It's another one of those high risk, high reward kind of a things. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And I do like it though. Yeah, I, I would use it myself for sure. Um, Bill, you haven't really used the air observer much in your battles. No, right? um, I've, I did, I think a couple times, and then I just kind of stayed away from it for now. Yeah, I just find there's just other things I want to spend the points on myself. Well, and, and that's the other thing too, because it's, 
um, what are they? They are like a hundred points usually or 75 oh, points gosh. for an air force observer. So yeah, it's granted there's, there's other things you could, or you need to trim down a little bit, you know, like for me, it's not always a, a first take for a unit. So, so fair enough. Right. Yeah. The only time I take it is when I'm using the, uh, the airborne, uh, with the, uh, needing that extra firepower, I'd say to take out tanks and stuff like that. If you don't bring a tank, if you play it, play it true to an airborne army, uh, having that, uh, air, air force, uh, forward observer helps out. Yeah, for sure. For, and it's pretty cool too. Cause like myself, I have an actual model to represent where the, the plane is coming in from. So you get to play around with those kind of models as well, you know, for this, if you like, which I thought was pretty cool. The next one I think is really, really good and can really combo up with a couple things. Uh, yeah. The modern communications essentially with, you know, making order tests with reserves um, majority of the armies have a minus one, uh, on their, you know, their test, their morale test, right? Whereas the U S don't actually get affected by that. So that's really, really good, especially with, you know, a regular or veteran unit that's full strength because you tend to be able to re-roll that order test if you fail it at full strength, right? Yeah. So I've seen it, I've had it used against me where person has set aside a unit at full strength that it was a veterans and has outflanked and, yep. it's, and it's worked really, really well. And it's like, okay, that is probably going to be a common tactic for an American army. Well, right? especially with that outflank, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's props to whoever thought of that, you know, like, <laughs> like that's, that's a good little combo. Right. And then and I've, not to I've mention, only just started doing the outflank. And uh, then, that, that's something that nobody really uses is, uh, is the outflank. Right. Exactly. Like I've only really seen it within maybe the last, I don't know, a year and a half. Maybe some people have used it a little bit here and there. I barely use it, but not only is, you know, um, you're not getting the minus one penalty on your roll, full strength. You're able to do that little re-roll, but you're moving on to the board and you're still not getting a penalty because you're using your rifles and your bars. Yeah. Like that's really, really good. Right. So, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong, but <laughs> I'm sure somebody's well, going to be like, oh, that's too strong. <laughs> You know? It is strong, but when you look at the American uh, American military, I mean that was that was a game changer for the Allies. They yeah. they came in and they had all the equipment, all the men, yeah. all the toys, and and just away they go, right? So even getting replacements up uh, like they did, it was just the the big green machine. And uh, these rules are are a perfect perfect example of it of of what they they brought to the to the Allies. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, I like them. It's it's fitting for them. Um, and then as you go through, as you go through the units and whatnot, you'll see 
some differences as well compared to a lot of other armies and where that those rules really kind of fit in right so um, but going forward you know with the army like that's essentially their special rules uh, we'll get to another rule that they have involving MMGs as we get to it um, but going through here they have the same kind of options as most of the army books with their generic units which we're really not going to go through we're going to concentrate more on more of the specific um, units so you know you do have the options for inexperienced late war mid war early war units so a lot of different options in there uh, most of them are able to have tank hunters with grenades and whatnot um, the one thing I have noticed is a lot of their units don't actually have access to light machine guns. No. Yeah. Right. Um, which is different compared to most other armies, but the Americans also were a fairly different army coming into the war when they did. So, um, so yeah, like your regular units, we kind of won't go through. Uh, but we will start off with uh, the engineer squad. I know Bill uses this. I do. Um, so again, it's, you can't get inexperienced with these guys. Um, they have your, you know, your, your grands and your carbines. Um, essentially, you're able to have two bars with this unit and the lovely lovely flamethrower that i've been the uh unfortunate casualty of many many times in our games and then of course you can be a tank hunter with this army as well or this unit as you can yeah. give them upgrades so bill when you use this army or use this sorry this unit um how effective has it been for you it usually performs. It, it'll punch above its its weight and points. Yeah, and you. I always rock the double bar and flamethrower. Okay. And like flamethrower is the last thing to die, just because it's so versatile as a weapon. Yeah. And yeah. just being able to move and fire with all the different rifles and the double bars, like the dice just the dice don't lie. You can check a lot of dice out from a <laughs> ten man squad, and still have that flamer to back them up. It, it can be nasty, especially if you're throwing it into a transport and just throwing it up the flank, trying to go tank hunting, or just trying to be a pain in the ass. Hit the back line, right? If you're going after snipers or MMGs, it's it's just very versatile for the way you can build it. Yeah. Yeah, and having uh, having the flamethrower in the squad protects it, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, there's the chance of... Uh, you know, exceptional damage or there's the chance that a sniper will actually hit something for once. Um, <laughs> as we all know how that works out. Um, so definitely similar to other engineer army, uh, you know, units in different armies, but, uh, overall pretty good for, for Americans as well, especially being one of the armies that's actually, actually has access to a flamethrower. Some armies don't, right? Yourself, Tony, you use the engineers? I haven't really uh, dabbled too much in the engineers. Um, I I am working on uh, adding one to uh, to my current US list, but um, yeah, I've just never never really used the uh, the flamethrower too much. 
but yeah, the double bars, uh, anytime I can take the bars, that's, that's the only way I go. So <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Next up is the paratrooper squad. So veterans for this guy, it's, uh, what, six, 12 men could be in this unit, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Grands, carbines, of course, uh, same thing. You, you know, this, you could actually have submachine guns if you wanted to, but as discussed before, maybe it's not the best option. Um, but of course, this is also a unit, one of the units that's allowed to have a light machine gun, right? Um, so it's a little different. Yeah, without the uh, the BAR, right? You've got to you got to have that fire support of some sort, and mm. uh, you know it's it's the trade off. The only problem is with with that light machine gun, you're getting a couple more shots, but you're uh, you get that minus one penalty, so right. it makes it tough. Usually, what I do is uh, uh, if I'm taking a, a light machine gun, then I try to make it all rifles and uh, you know take it as a five man unit and kind of use it as a um, a light machine gun team more than, than anything, um, you know, use it as an area denial, uh, piece and, and just kind of, you know, try to hold, uh, hold an area, uh, and keep that LMG, uh, from moving. So that's kind of what I do with my, uh, with, with the units that I use the LMG in. Right. Bunker down and having the position. Yeah, hold the position, and then you know you give them that stubborn rule, and they'll just lay there forever. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know we have a, a new player looking at uh, airborne and whatnot. Uh, starting, just starting to get into it. Damien, he just started getting, and um, he's definitely looking at the different units. And I've, I've mentioned to him, you know, if that's what you're kind of going for, airborne, you know, you want to start looking at some of these units, but. You know, don't forget, you can just go with reinforced platoons and kind of build what you want, right? So, yeah. Um, but it gives them an idea kind of of, of what's what. Uh, so, not bad unit. Again, one of the units that has the option for a machine gun. The uh, glider squad, I don't think I've ever seen this one. Actually, uh, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, mentioned really. This one's got the bar. Yeah, there you go. Same kind of unit, like Tony said. Um, do you use this one, Tony, at all in, in your in your armies? I've, I've got one set of I've got one set of glider squads. Um, okay, but I I usually say that one for you know if we're doing a a true to life scenario, you know, like Pegasus Bridge or something. Right. Um, where you know, if uh, Curtis and I have done it a couple of times, where we've had. Uh, um, the guys actually parachute into the uh, scenario, so oh, right. we we would use a, a glider that way. But uh, outside of that, I'd I'd only use it for uh, themed themed uh, themed Scenarios battles and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I know, Bill. You haven't uh, you haven't really touched any of these two squads. No, um, you've stuck kind of more with like the the basic infantrymen, right? Yeah. So pretty much just play around with the uh, infantry, the engineers for That's the most right. part, are kind of my, my exotic army. Then it's just regular infantry squads. Oh, there's so many, uh, so many options with the regular infantry squads too. Cause you can have them, you know, uh, 
in your half tracks or you know just slogging away um yeah. there, there's just so many options just with the infantry squads yeah, and that's great. that's what i like about the uh, the american army um you have so many options you can uh you know taking a reinforced platoon you can take a little bit of everything and, and it's just it's just a fun fun piece to to work with Nice. Absolutely. I, I think to echo that point, I've I've seen people online kind of say like uh, the Americans are kind of vanilla because they, you know, you can kind of just take little bits, this and that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest strengths is being able to pull all these different squads and um, units out of the book to make any type of list you want. And it'll still perform well uh, yeah. in conjunction with the army rules. So. Well, I mean, look at D-Day, a uh, big meat grinder, and you got guys from different units, right? And you're you're throwing everything you can at them. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's a great, it, I think it's the most versatile army out there in the bolt action world as far as um, playability goes. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that for sure. Next up, we got the Ranger Squad. These Rangers lead the way. Yeah, exactly. Veteran squad. Um, again, you can go up to, looks like 10 men. 11 men in this one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 11. Yeah. Some machine guns are an option. Bar is an option. Light machine gun is an option, of course. Uh, where they really, and uh, tank, anti-tank grenades as well. Uh, where they are a little different is they have like Bill Holler out there, Rangers lead the way. Uh, they're allowed to make a run move after both sides have finished set up, uh, but, but before the first turn of the game. It's kind of like a scout move um, in some yeah. other games, which is really fitting for them. Um, so it's, it's pretty neat. You could essentially like concentrate your army on the Rangers, essentially, and and like be that one step forward. You know, if you're deployed on the board, right, um, ahead of the game from your opponent. Well, if you look at it, you could be up to twenty four inches before you know you run onto the board, and then you get that extra twelve inch run, right? Yeah, very fast. Could snag some objectives. Um, you know, there's the one mission where you have to actually capture and transport the objective, you know, off the table, right? Yeah. So, like, these guys would be definitely a, a good unit for that. And they're going to be tough because they're veterans regardless, right? So. And they've got the firepower too, right? You've got your uh, bar, you got your LNG. You know, you get that 24 inches in, uh, you know, set up a, a firing point and, uh, you know, you're, you're controlling a, a good portion of, uh, portion of the way into the center. Yeah, exactly. So haven't seen them on the board though. Not yet, but I'm sure. I've, I've, I'm sure I've got coming. a squad. I've used it once. Yeah. Used it <laughs> once. Oh, they're pretty, pretty Cur decent. Curtis doesn't like them. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's funny. And they're actually funny enough, they're like their base cost, they're they're eight points cheaper 
than like a paratrooper yep. or glider squad, right? So interesting. Hmm. And and like you said, it's got the uh um you know, the LMG and the bar, so you get a little taste of everything in that in that unit. Yeah, which is pretty neat. And then of course you uh uh, they do have uh, a ranger set out there for miniatures. So if you uh, are a big fan of Saving Pride Ryan, you can reenact that whole storyline with them as well. Smaller games, you know, stuff like that. So and then we go to the other side, to the Pacific, the U.S. Marine Squads. This is the one that got me me going yeah <laughs> well just the mid late war options are they're so great they're so good yeah so so you have the early war and you do have mid late war um entries for the u.s marine squads uh, i know i had bought the starter army set for these guys way back when when i started and um they're still in the box so eventually they'll come out but a little different than the other squads. Um, so again, submachine guns, majority of them could have two to three bars by the looks of it. Yep. Um, tank hunters. But and as, shotguns. But yeah, as you go to like the late and mid and late, you have shotguns. And... Um, they're essentially just assault weapons, a range 18 with one shot, right? Like the assault rifle for the Germans is two shots. Yeah. So this is just a different kind of version. Um, the plastic kit comes with, you know, the shoddies uh, in their, their sprues and everything as well, I believe. So, and the interesting thing too is uh, up to three men can have a pistol in addition to their other equipment for one point. That pistol, I believe, makes them tough fighters as well. So not only can your, you know, your NCO, those three guys can be tough fighters, and then uh, I believe the shotgun might even do it too. So Yeah, I haven't done much with the Marines at all yet. No, I, I know Dusty has, uh, has done a Marine force and he's, you know, he's got the dogs, uh, the canine units and stuff, plus the, uh, LVTs, the big transports that literally carries like 30 miniatures. It's ridiculous. So they have some good little options. It's a different taste and flavor to, um, the infantry for the Americans. If you like to, you know, if you're fighting in that theater, maybe, Maybe you prefer that theater compared to the European theater, you know, or the uh, Africa theater kind of thing. Um, yep. So definitely interesting. Those models you can, miniatures you can definitely use for more than just World War II, I'd say. So. Yeah, definitely. You could even, I think, uh, use them in the Korea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. And uh, here's the other different thing with uh, the American army is, so normally most armies can only take one medium machine gun team. 
whereas the Americans actually have the option to take three. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Which we all know that there's, there's not a lot of love for MMG teams a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, there should be a disclaimer about you may take up to three medium machine guns as one selection, but it doesn't mean that you have to. Yeah. Right. Because with great power comes great responsibility, as Uncle Ben once said. <laughs> and I take two, I take two MMG squads, but not three. Because I find it that's a little heavy handed, we'll say. A little heavy. You think so? For me for me personally. And besides, let's be real, um I don't know if MMGs are good anymore. When I had my MMGs get fucked up by a sniper, and it's like, ting, oh, one squad dead, and then next to ting, squad dead. I'm like, fuck MMGs. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I was just like, that's uh, not cool. The only time I really use the MMGs is just covering, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to deny them going somewhere, then that's all, and then I just expect them to die. Um, I do like that heavy machine gun team, though. Uh, I, I do carry one with my uh, my airborne. Having that uh, penetration value of uh, plus one really helps. Hmm. The only downside, you know, it's uh, seventy points or ninety-one points for a veteran. That's right. Yeah, that, that's the only downside to the heavy machine gun team, but. Yeah, you don't you but, don't see too many heavy machine guns unless they're like equipped on a tank or something, right? Yeah, I've I use it sometimes with my airborne just to to give me that extra little bit of firepower. Yeah, not very good. But they're quickly dispatched, uh, like like you said, Bill, with the snipers. Yeah, they, uh, they just become bullet magnets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, it's always that struggle with MMG teams. Uh, happens every time. Bazooka teams. Essentially one of the only armies that actually has a two-man team with an anti-tank rocket bazooka, you know, Panzer Shrek kind of weapon. It's uh, iconic, right? Not too badly well, priced for a regular. And it looks better than the uh the PAC team anyway, so that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm always looking for one of these when I play against an American player. You know, I expect to see one of these all the time. Um and you can get a little sneaky with them too, right? Just because they are that small team and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Just keep out of sight of snipers. So. And uh, if you are an anti-pewter guy like myself, the standard infantry kit that you buy comes with bazooka with an arm on it that you can actually model a bazooka team out of, yeah. which is really nice. Uh, myself, I have done that very same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just there's tons of options in that kit if you really want to convert like your own sniper team, bazooka team. I I was converting MMG teams. Out of like between the uh, Tamiya tank kits that I got and the infantry kit, like it's that's right, pretty legit overall. It's very versatile, especially if you get yeah. the new kit and the old kit. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there is and a difference. Really go to town. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Luckily, I have a few of those now. So <laughs> I've been really snapping up any of the old sprues and stuff to get the the bits and um, you know all the all the little stuff that uh, you don't get with the new stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And speaking, uh, since we're here at the topic of the kits, um, so like you said, there was two kits, and and your store might have the older kit from the starter set. It depends on when they got it. Um, the, the miniatures for the infantrymen kind of seemed a little more cartoony, I think, uh, with with the older kit, right? Uh, the newer kit, they definitely improved it quite well. Um, Oh, tenfold. Yeah. Cause Bill, you were, I remember you were assembling it and you like messaged me and you're like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah. Well, (laughs) so I, I got the old kit initially. Yeah. And I had a new kit as well. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to build this box. Well, none of the rifles are in the fucking hands. And yeah. you're building your guys, and they're all weird. I'm trying to glue in a rifle. I was like, how the hell is this rifle supposed to go in this goddamn Mickey Mouse hand? Because like it's just not fitting, man. <laughs> and then I opened up the other kit, and it's all modeled on. All you got to do is glue the, the fucking arms to the torso. It's like, oh, like this is... Way Lots easier. of frustration. Yeah. Quality of life. Right? Yeah. Well, that that's why I went to the pewter to to start with, because when when Curtis and I started playing, the the plastics were a pain in the ass. And and you know, trying to, to find all the fiddly little bits. I'm like, I am so done with this. I'm just gonna go buy pewter so I can paint and get playing rather than, you know, trying to glue my fingers together and get yeah. frustrated yeah. and just leave the hobby, right? So um, you know, but it is nice having those spare, spare bits, um, and the loose weapons and stuff. Cause you can do so much more with, you know, an officer looking at a map or, um, you know, looking through the binoculars and stuff and you, yeah. you can still have that weapon and, and give them that flexibility of the, uh, of the look. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they were junk. Yeah. I, uh. I didn't start with the Americans myself. I started with the Soviets and, um, their current kit is still, you're gluing in the actual rifles. Um, Outrageous. So like the Soviets are like that. I believe the Japanese are like that still. Um, but I know that a lot of the new kits that they have been coming out with have gone to the rifle is actually molded with the arms. Um, kind of uh, situation, right? So yeah. it, it, it makes for a much nicer kit. It makes for a much more stable uh, rifle because what I found is, and not just the rifles, um, I found with the older kits is the rifles and the LMGs that you get with them are very thin. And yeah, like, very flimsy. Like your LMG, like for the Soviets, the LMG, it kind of, flanges out a little bit right at the end and like all you have to do is clip it one wrong way with the foam out of your your pack or whatever and you just busted the the tip tip of the barrel right yeah same thing with the the same thing with the rifles for the soviets like you snag a bayonet and it's gone it's gone essentially right japanese yeah kind of same thing you know so 
that American kit was no different. Basically, the bar looked like shit. And yep. uh, I was super thin. And then when that new kit came out, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, that's top, top notch. They're stronger, right? Like, they're th- they're a little bit... Th- a little thicker. Thicker, so they're not actually going to break. Like, even, like, uh, my DAC army was is exactly like that. It's a newer kit. And love it. It was just like, it's, oh, wow. It's like my Blitzkrieg kit. Same kind of idea, molded weapon to the arms. So, yes, you know... You're um, sometimes limited by the poses that you get with that. But what I noticed is those older kits, if you just go and cut arms out and cut guns out and you're not, you're not following. Yeah. You're, you're not following the diagram of what pairs up with what I did that with my Soviets and believe me, I definitely regretted it. So. Yeah, a lot of green stuff and uh, filler and... Well, that's just it. It's like... And then then it looks like crap and it's into the garbage. You just, you got to figure it out, right? So... Yeah. So yeah, that's the little rant about the miniatures. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But other than that, like you have your sniper team, which is normal. Uh, You do get access to a flamethrower team, which is nice because you can have either the separate one or you can have the one with the engineers. So yep. essentially you can be rocking. Or both. Exactly. Yeah. You can be I've done a lot them. of the single uh, flamethrower teams, just never as the engineer. But, you know, just like you said, Bill, having having both options, that, that's yeah. another game changer right there. Yep. Absolutely. Gets scary. Because I don't like flamethrowers after uh, my commandos ate a lot of them. Yeah. They, uh, the flamethrowers themselves command some respect on the tabletop. Hundred percent. If you've ever had a tank go down, just getting pinned out. If you haven't, you'll find out. <laughs> well, I mean, you that flamethrower wipes out veterans in uh, no time flat. Yeah, yeah. Vet, veterans, tanks as well. Um, so, I know I've had it. We had a, our one of our first tank war battles. I had uh, Dusty's. I think one of his buffaloes had, or his LVTs had, a flamethrower on on the top and he roasted my KV and, uh, I failed my role and that was it. KV was done. So. Yeah. Right. And that's a lot of points gone for, uh, from a small unit like that. Yeah, exactly. So they are definitely strong, uh, obviously limited in range, but usually you have them in a transport or they're with an engineer squad or a pioneer squad or whatever you want to call them for whatever army you're using. But when they do their work, they are it's, it's very gross. effective. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I know, I think it was mine and Bill's second game. He had roasted a warehouse and actually put it on fire and like killed my guys that were inside essentially. Yeah. So, you know. The, the other thing with the flamethrower, you can put it behind a screening unit too. So. Yeah. You, uh, you put a bigger unit in front of it and, you know, basically escort it up. Yeah, that's true. Especially with that fire and maneuver. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Continuing on, we start going into these teams, uh, you know, light mortars, medium mortars, uh, access to heavy mortars, which I don't think a lot of armies do have that access. So I think majority of the like major factions I do believe have it, but 
You don't see it very often. It's usually only no. the, the medium mortar. I, uh, when I play my Soviets, I take a heavy mortar. So just in case there's a, a tiger tank opening its top hatch. And <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> Tony knows what I'm getting at. <laughs> I'm sure Bill does too. I've heard, oh, I've heard the story for the tale. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was an epic, uh, epic legendary, uh, event that happened. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the dice were hot and there's a lot of sixes. So. Yeah. Moral of the story is don't open your hatch if the enemy has a mortar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't chance it. Exactly. Yeah. When it's raining, stay buttoned up. Exactly. So artillery for the Americans, they got a fair bit. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, light howitzers, mediums, heavies. Uh, they all seem to have, uh, no, maybe not. I was thinking they had gun shields, majority of them, but seems like they have some good options for weapons. Uh, model wise, obviously you can figure out what you want and fit them into the slots. Uh, they also have the recoilless artillery as well. That heavy artillery piece is the nice one. Mm-hmm. I've used that a I've used that a fair fair amount of times, and you know when when you hit with that, that is a devastating devastating blow. I know I've uh, been able to to hit Curtis with that a few times, and that that sways the whole battle. You uh, you get tom. that heavy artillery going, and yeah, HE three D six. That's yep. legit. Yeah, and and you're dropping down the uh, the four inch HE right. Yeah, so essentially, yeah, nice. essentially, because the most of these books are, um, like, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the German book says it's for version two, and most of the other yeah. books don't. So that HE three D six, um, is kind of like the older rule. So mm. heavy howitzer has the larger template, and then you go through yeah. through the chart. But it's, again, three D six in the building. There you go. So yeah, but like. Yeah, if you have an option for a heavy howitzer and you want to take it, I know I would. Right? Yeah, I I love my. It's a beautiful. I love beautiful piece. (laughs) So, they have rocket launcher as well, which is a a, a multiple launcher, which is considered a heavy mortar. Uh, When those things like land hits, it could be really devastating to a, a an army that's clumped together. So, there's that as well. Which is different. Not not everybody has multiple launchers, right? Anti-aircraft guns, just like usual. Everybody kind of has a few. Uh, you do have this 90 millimeter M2 dual purpose AA gun, AT gun. Just interesting. It's a heavy anti-tank gun that has flak. Plus seven pen. Wow. Yeah. And a gun shield. Yeah. Yeah. Five men crew. So not, not as big as the 88, but still five man crew. That's, they're not just going to die unless they get hit by like a howitzer themselves. Right. So, um, what are they? 185 points and they're a heavy anti-tank gun. What else we got there? Pretty expensive. 
Yeah, they're not cheap. No, that one's pretty expensive. But having a dual roll, though. Yeah, the veteran one is 222 points, which is there. Yeah, I don't think I take... I don't take my howitzers and artillery as veterans myself. No. It's just not worth it to me kind of thing, right? Um, but yeah, as you keep going forward, you know, they have your anti-tank guns again. Light. This is this is where all the anti-tank guns actually have the gun shield option. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. So. 57 millimeter. Yep. My favorite. <laughs> and you, can, you converted one, didn't you? I did. Uh, I ended up using an old uh, second edition uh, Katachin Imperial Guard uh, last cannon chassis. And <laughs> I cut the last cannon and all the bits off and I'm giving it like an actual extended barrel with uh, some tubing and added some ammo boxes from the MMG kits. And it, it looks like a legitimate anti-tank gun with the gun shield and everything. It's got the little stabilizer arms at the back. It's got the, you know, treaded tires to help them push it through the mud. It uh, it was a fun little conversion because I really wanted to have one. That's the nice. whole um, thing when I was trying to focus on the army. I picked 1943 to base it around. And that's when they brought in this 57 millimeter uh, anti-tank gun before they're using the uh, 37 millimeter for the longest time. So I kind of felt it was fitting, right, to make something that looked pretty close to the pictures, at least. Right. Um, for the army and it's it it's looks great done okay look, it looks awesome yeah. it looks better than it performs <laughs> we might as well take a Sherman Abel <laughs> yeah sometimes I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to model the uh, the M3 howitzer it's the um, medium howitzer for the airborne and it's kind of a mixture between the uh, uh, the uh, M2 and the uh, 75 millimeter uh, just haven't been able to find the right bits for that, so that's still on my list to do for the uh, for the airborne. Nice. Yeah, that's the beautiful beautiful thing about the game is you can kind of outsource a lot yeah. of different things, and even from different companies and stuff too, right? Different miniatures. So, and and well, even World looking games through history, yeah, mm-hmm. just looking through history and and seeing the different items they've got right so the the artillery piece that uh, the artillery guys would have would be different than the guys that are jumping and and seeing the modifications it's just you know the the americans it's just fun fun as a hobby to uh to make these pieces that aren't aren't out there so yeah exactly it's, it's awesome so i definitely got to see your uh, 57 millimeter bill yeah i'll uh I'll snap a bit get some pictures out there we'll probably show use, you yeah probably use it on the thumbnail as well yeah absolutely <laughs> i've got some of those uh uh chassis sitting here uh for my 40k group oh yeah so, yeah nice oh they're they're, to, they're perfect man they work so good i might have to uh have a look and see what i can come up with absolutely very nice so uh with this that kind of goes through like the infantry and, and anti-tank and uh, artillery pieces and whatnot. We're kind of coming close to the end of the episode for this part of it. Uh, we'll probably do another episode, of course, going through the vehicles. There's actually a large amount of <laughs> tanks and vehicles for the U.S. forces. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely 
hit it up again. Um, so other than that, like there's a lot of other theater selectors and a lot of campaign books as well that will introduce a lot of different units and or um, force selections essentially and designs for for your armies for the US and I definitely recommend you know if you're thinking of a specific theater or an era kind of um, where the battles are happening you know Battle of the Bulge that kind of stuff or D-Day or you know somewhere in the Pacific kind of thing the island hopping kind of campaigns you know, check that stuff out. There's a lot of different options out there. There's a lot of little niche, little rules, um, you know, for theater selectors. And of course, always remember, you know, talk with your opponent uh, as you're having these games using theater selectors. So, um, but you can have a lot of, a lot of fun with this army. Uh, again, probably most widely um, placed army in a lot of the books as well. Uh, a lot of the campaign books, they're kind of split everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, it's definitely, I think it's probably a fan favorite for a lot of people, uh, especially, uh, just like you guys said, how versatile the army actually can be. Absolutely. Um, and they, and of course the American army, most of the world war two armies have just the, the look that World War II feel that everybody just loves. You know, they love the look of Americans or the British or, you know, the commandos or whatever, right? The Gurkhas, that kind of stuff. So um, it's pretty good. Uh, you guys have any, like, theater selectors that you've tried out that you'd like to share, uh, you know, with, with the guys watching right now? Uh, you know, Bill and Tony. Like, if you guys played with some of the theater selectors or tried them out, any thoughts on them or, um, you know, stuff you'd like to share kind of about yeah, I, the army, you know? Yeah. I, I've, uh, you know, I've been re recently working on the devil's brigade mm -hmm. out of, uh, I believe it's the, the soft underbelly. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just like the movie, uh, that Bill brought up earlier, the, the versatility in, in that army, uh, being commando unit and you know being able to go through impassable train um i mean it just adds another element to the to the tabletop right right um you know same with uh market garden i mean who doesn't like going to take jump into places and take over bridges for uh <laughs> uh for tanks to roll in yeah um, you know there, yep. there's there's so many awesome selectors out there. It's it's hard to nail down one or two. You know, you got uh, Battle of the Bulge, Monte Casino. Uh, you can go on and on and on with with the amazing uh, the amazing selectors they've done for the for the Americans. So nice, very true, true. And Bill, you I know yourself. You were because I remember you were saying you're kind of concentrating like around Italy, right? Yeah, that was kind of the main uh, focus of my list. So I, I really liked um, playing Operation Husky. Um, I only used one. it like once, but it was really cool because you got to take your MMG team, got to take your mortar team, it unlocked two bazooka teams, a flamethrower team, and you were still able to take an engineer squad. So it just it gave you a lot of anti-tank options. 
which was really, really nice. The opposite to that in a little bit is Operation Avalanche, where you were able to take all that, but you also get to uh, grab a sniper team. So you lose the, the flamethrower, take a sniper, a sniper team instead. You still get your two bazookas, you still get your engineers. Um, so it, it depends what you want to do. I know I like the sniper team. I, I try not to leave home without it. Just because it is nice if you can catch someone slipping a bit. Yeah. You know, oh, your uh, LT's done, man. Like, beautiful. That was great. It just keeps you honest. Work. It does. It does. So that I really like. Um, nice. It's just, yeah, a lot of fun. Those are the two main that I've really looked at. So nice. Yeah. Well, even going back to the airborne, uh, you know, doing a uh, late war airborne changes everything too, because that's where you get. The introduction to the BARs, right? Uh, and then you you dump that uh, LMG. So that's you know you take a, a unit that's already a veteran, and then you throw that BA the BAR with the uh, fire and maneuver. It just really really improves that uh, that unit even more and makes it tougher. Nice. Yeah, there's there's so many theater selectors like you guys said, and uh, definitely check stuff out. Um, Especially like if you do really like the D-Day, I mean, there's three books out there. Um, you know, they have the D-Day U.S. sector, so there's a lot of stuff in that one. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, the very first book as well will have a lot of options of that, like the uh, beach landing forces and, and the airborne forces as well. So um, lots of options. Check them out. Have fun with it. Try things out. You know, it's a great army to play around with and... Um, most of the time you see, you see a lot of people playing Americans, uh, which is good, good and bad at, at times. Like Bill was, <laughs> I think, introduced <laughs> to where, ah, most popular army Germans and come out and there's like three pl players playing Americans the first time. He's yeah, playing, it was for, you know? the first time. Yeah. I was like, the fuck? I'm like, you lied to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we're right on. Yeah. No, it's yeah, good. No, it's awesome. And yeah. then, you know, uh, like you said, with uh, with D-Day, there's so many options there, um, you know, with the beach landings, once you start throwing in the landing crafts too, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. A lot of fun with it, for sure. The, the good thing about the Americans, too, is uh, as a new player, it's very forgiving. Um, mm -hmm. You can make quite a few tactical errors and you're not really going to pay uh, as dearly as you would with say like a Japanese or a Soviet army, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. As, as a newer player to bolt action, I found the Americans really nice to play. Um, the rules do support them a little bit. Yeah. So you, you can play around with it and kind of get a feel for the game while still mowing down, throwing damage at, you know, range without that minus one. That's massive. So it was a lot of fun to learn the game with that army itself. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, but, just wanted to touch base just before we wrap up. Yep. Uh, big shout to uh, Frederick and Dustin. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys uh, supporting the channel and jumping on the Patreon and, uh, you know, putting up with us and uh, listen to our <laughs> tales of glory here. So big shout out. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, don't forget to check out all the links in the description and uh, like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. So nice, please do. 
Yeah. We appreciate every uh, picture and comment and suggestion and idea that you guys throw at us. So uh, we love to, to try to bring some content to you guys that is enjoyable, uh, might give you a good laugh, you know, and uh, maybe even uh, bring some insight to some of the games that we kind of concentrate on. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, again, Tony, thank you for, for joining us here on, on the podcast for the first time. Um, oh, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, hope we can uh, sit down and do it some more. I uh, really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Sure. We will definitely do that. And uh, I know Bill's going to be a, a busy bee in the next little while here, getting ready for events oh, yeah. and, and tournaments. So if uh, you're listening to our other side of the podcast as well, we got some uh, pretty spicy 40K episodes uh, hitting hitting the podcast, especially with the new edition coming out shortly. Yeah, um, and we still we still on track with some heresy here and there. So, um, yeah, we all hear it. Trying, we you know, thank you guys for tuning in and listening and and whatnot. So, hope you guys enjoyed, and keep an eye out for you know our, our socials and the Instagram as well. We're always working on stuff and sharing it with you guys too. So, uh, definitely check that out. And then. Uh, pretty much uh yeah keep on hobbing and that's another thing uh we have our hobby nights usually sunday nights uh eight o'clock eight thirty i believe in that time frame um there's uh bonko's bastards right there sergeant that's sergeant right rock. yeah that's right ready to uh <laughs> ready to rock out so he just needs the big cigar now so missing that yeah so thanks again, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Tune in next time, and uh, we'll catch you guys later, and keep rolling those dice.